Hello, everybody. Welcome once again as we continue on in the series we're doing called Interacting Well. Interacting Well, we're 10 weeks in to um, this series. This series sprang out of Developing Well where we talked about the Beatitudes at the end of the Beatitudes in Matthew 5. Uh, Jesus exhorts us to be salt and light into the world around us. And to me, that was a picture of interacting well with the world around us. And as we prayed about it, I said that a really good verse for that, I thought, as a foundation for this series was Jesus' great command, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so we've been digging into those verses in this series. Um, we, We spent time talking about loving God all in, heart, mind, soul, and strength, and what that meant. And Lately, we've been talking about loving our neighbors as ourselves and what that means, and um, that that it's a pretty deep sort of process to really love someone, uh, to love someone that um, you know is your neighbor. We talked about who your neighbor is. It's anyone needing mercy, but to love them, you know, as sort of with as much passion and zeal as we as we care for ourselves, uh, which is very very difficult for us to even begin to comprehend. But it's only as we get these things in order that the first part of the commandment came first, love God all in, realizing that life is found there, and then from that, having a heart's desire that other people would know that life that we found as well. That that's really what's taking place in the process. And so the last few weeks we've been sort of talking about interactions that Jesus had with people so that we can learn from him, watch what he does, you know, and then start to do those things and, and realize, you know, that this is how Jesus did it. Um, we looked at an encounter he had with Nicodemus. We looked at an encounter he had with a woman caught in adultery. We looked at an encounter he had last week with a Samaritan woman um, at the well. This week, I want to sort of talk about an interaction that he has with the big crowd and, um, and with his disciples. And, and just because I think it's such a great picture of the things that we deal with and the difficulties that we deal with in really grabbing a hold of uh, loving our neighbors ourselves and some of the the places we get stuck along uh, the way and I, I just think it's a great sort of picture of of what Jesus is doing and what he wants us to do and how it looks and how we're to operate in the world around us as salt and light so we're going to dig into that in a minute I had a few sort of thoughts or ideas before we pop into the message and uh, these you know these are just what they are sort of thoughts um, why is it that people say they slept like a baby when babies wake up like every two hours you ever, you ever think about that? Yeah. Just something I noticed. Dry erase boards are remarkable. No? I didn't say they were good, just thoughts. What do you call a big pile of kittens? A mountain. All right. Last one. I went to a really emotional wedding last week. Even the cake was in tears. All right, all right. Scripture reading. That's all I had this week, sorry. John 6, verses 1 through 13. This is out of the message paraphrase. We'll dig into these verses in the NIV in a bit, but uh, I like the way the picture is painted in the message. Verse 1, after this... Jesus went across the Sea of Galilee, some call it Tiberias. A huge crowd followed him, attracted by the miracles they had seen him do among the sick. When he got to the other side, he climbed a hill and sat down, surrounded by his disciples. It was nearly time for the Feast of Passover, kept annually by the Jews. 
When Jesus looked out and saw that a large crowd had arrived, he said to Philip, where can we buy bread to feed these people? He said this to stretch Philip's faith. He already knew what he was going to do. Philip answered, 200 silver pieces wouldn't be enough to buy bread for each person to get a piece. One of the disciples, it was Andrew, brother to Simon Peter, said, there's a little boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But that's a drop in the bucket for a crowd like this. Jesus said, make the people sit down. There was a nice carpet of green grass in this place. They sat down, about 5,000 of them. Then Jesus took the bread and, having given thanks, gave it to those who were seated. He did the same with the fish. All ate as much as they wanted. When the people had eaten their fill, he said to his disciples, Gather the leftovers so nothing is wasted. They went to work and filled 12 large baskets with leftovers from the five barley loaves. And blessed be the word of the Lord. I, um, again, I've told you this. I love reading the Gospels and the interactions that Jesus has with people and what takes place. And I really like to think about what it would have been like to be in those encounters. And I, I'm always telling people, well, try and put yourself in, in the whole situation, you know, in, in different ways. Think what it would have been like to be one of the disciples. Think what it would have been like to be part of the crowd that was watching what was going on. And, and, and uh, just imagine how amazing um, the things that were taking place were happening. Um, you know, use your holy imagination. God gives us, gives us great uh, imagination to be used um, on purpose. And, and to use it to sort of study and meditate on His Word is a, it's a, just a really powerful thing. And it, it brings these things, I think, you know, to... Because you want them to leap off the page at you. You, you don't want to just kind of read the story like it's a, you know, well, that's a, so what. Um, these are encounters that happened with our Lord and Savior Jesus interacting with the disciples uh, and, and, and the crowds of people at the time. And, and these were amazing events that were taking place. And, and sometimes we, I think we read them and then we go, oh, well, or uh, we don't allow it to have the impact that it really should have because it'll change us when we begin to realize that Jesus is still up to the very same things. And he's constantly doing things in our lives that we sort of are, are often just passing off as coincidence or, well, isn't that, you know, isn't that kind of neat or amazing? But we, we, we fail to realize that it's Jesus moving in spectacular ways, the Spirit of God doing all sorts of things on a regular and, and constant basis in our lives. And yet if we, if we don't allow ourselves to begin to see the way he does things, we'll start to miss him uh, and, and we'll just think that we're, we're sort of living kind of ordinary, you know, run-of-the-mill day-to-day lives that are all about us. And it's so far from that that, that um, it's, it, we, we can miss the amazing adventure that he has for us if we don't really open our eyes to see what he's doing all around us all the time. And what he was doing then is a, is a picture of the, the way that he moves and the things that he's doing. So, uh, and I like in the, in the message reading in verse 6 where it says that, that he, was, he wanted to stretch Philip's faith. And I think that's a neat thing that he wanted to stretch Philip's faith um, because I think he wants to stretch all of our faith. And that's not a bad thing. That's a really good thing. He wants us to trust him more. And, and really, if we, if we don't trust him, we'll, we'll never sort of move into the life that, that he wants for us to have. And that's a big part of, of loving our neighbors, ourselves. We won't ever really engage in that unless we trust him. Because um, we, 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 we'll get so sort of stuck on us and on me that, that we won't be able to move past it and experience life the way that he wants us to. So it's, he wants us all to kind of get stretched um, so that we see life in, the, in a bigger picture and in a, in a greater way. 
So let's talk some more today. First point in your notes about loving your neighbor as yourself. That's been what we've been talking about. But um, this story, I think, is another great picture of it. We've seen it in little ways. And sort of Jesus interacts one-on-one. But like I said, this, this interaction is between him and his disciples and this crowd, which is, I, I think, a fascinating thing. I want to read the story again. I want to read Matthew's account of this story out of the NIV. Um, just because, you know, Matthew with his own personality, his own little take on what was going on. And he gives us a little information, a little more about what's taking place in in this whole situation. Verse 14, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place. It's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children big crowd 10 15,000 I mean 5,000 men and women and children Uh, you know who knows what the number was it was significant and they all ate and and listen it said they were all satisfied they all ate more than enough so there was fish sandwiches galore and everybody had one or two whatever they needed to be filled and satisfied in this encounter so it's fascinating to me I think to watch that now I want to talk about the disciples here so I want to reread a couple of the verses and and uh and, and these are verses uh, 15 through 17 in Matthew 14. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. And Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish. They answered. All right, so here's the deal. Here's what's happening in this, in this whole encounter that I think is so fascinating. Jesus has been ministering to this crowd all day. And, and um, he, he would have been, his disciples would have been involved in that level. That's, that's the way Jesus did things. He, he, he modeled it and then he encouraged them to do it. And then he would send them to do it and have them come back. At this point in time, these guys had been with him for a while. And so they would have been ministering all day long to this crowd. Um, significant crowd. Jesus had compassion. He's healing their sick. He's praying for them. He's, he's you know, moving among the crowd. He's, he's doing the things that he did among people. It gets to the end of the day, and this is a very remote place, and the disciples have a very human thing come up. Um, they get hungry. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that. I've told you part of loving ourselves is that when we get hungry, um, one of the things, one of the said ways I know that we love ourselves is that we, we try and do something about being hungry. That's a natural, normal, not of itself a bad thing. It's just normal. You sort of want to do what you need to do to be, you know, happy at the moment. And the guys were getting hungry. You can imagine if you'd been busy, you know, interacting with people all day, you, you would get hungry too. And what they've done is they've managed to scare up for themselves enough for dinner, kind of. They found a boy... And, and either they, hopefully he was willing to share. If not, they strong-harmed this little kid. I don't know what they did. But they did something, and hopefully by then they were just kind of said, hey, how about sharing? And the, and the boy said, okay. And, and this boy had, he had enough to sort of feed the disciples, they figured. You know, they got five loaves and a couple of fish, fish sandwiches for 12, hopefully for the little boy, maybe for Jesus. So, so I'm, I'm thinking, they're, they're sitting there thinking, okay, we can probably make it work 
you know, something for so each one of us for 14. We're going to be good. But there's too many people here. And, and they realized that it wasn't okay, to their credit, it wasn't okay to just kind of stop what they were doing and eat in front of everybody else. Um, that wouldn't have been good. So they, they come to Jesus after they've been doing this for a while and they're hungry and they say, listen, send these people away. Because, you know, then they're trying to make it sound like, like, you know, it's about them. You know, they need to go and get dinner. But basically they're saying, Jesus, can you send these people away? Because we're hungry and we need to get something to eat. And, and, and Jesus, I love what he says. Because Jesus knows everything, right? He, he just, you give them something to eat. Now, get the, the reaction is, they, they sort of figured out how they're going to feed themselves. But they hadn't taken it any further than that. And it was kind of a light meal anyway, but it was something. And, and, Jesus is saying, yeah, go ahead and share what you got with them. And this just kind of takes them right over the edge. And, and so he's really saying to them, listen, you have to start seeing people the way I do. I know you're hungry, but all these people are hungry. And, and, and they're not only, you know, hungry physically, they're hungry spiritually. And, and here's where it really sort of gets to that point. He's this whole idea of loving your neighbor as yourself. And he, he's making the point, you know, just like you're hungry, they're hungry. So what can you do about it? You know, and he puts it on them. Well, what happens is, again, a very normal reaction um, in this whole process, if we're, if we, especially if we keep it at a physical sort of level, which sometimes we get stuck at that, um, at a very natural sort of level, the question comes up, and it's point number two in your notes, well, what about me? Are, are you really asking me, Jesus, and, and the disciples are, are they're saying, well, you know, we don't have enough to feed everybody and us, is what you're saying, Jesus, that you we don't that we shouldn't eat and we should feed everybody else? Is 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 what are you talking about here exactly? John six, eight and nine. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? See, when we kind of get stuck in a in a very sort of narrow perspective way of looking at how we would do things and of trying to make it all work in our own strength, it's hard for us to see beyond um, what we can do for ourselves. And we, we don't often get to see the things that God could do if we're just willing to kind of trust in Him and ask Him about what's going on. And so if we'll start to think a little more like Jesus in situations, we can get outside of this kind of narrow perspective that our lives are often trapped in, and we can trust Him, and, and He will help us break out of this trap of what about me. It's really a trap. The what about me trap is not a good spot to be in. Because it, what it says is, when we get to that point, the, the, the underlying thing is that we have to take care of us. And, and that's our primary focus. And that we don't really think that God will. And so we, we kind of, we get, trapped in this spot that's consumed in a very narrow thing that doesn't allow us to see what God might do if we would just trust him a little bit more in areas of our lives. And really that's, he's just trying to stretch us a little. So remember he said he was trying to stretch Philip. Just, he's, he's not, it's not to take you from, you know, it's just stretching you a little bit, all the, just to stretch you a little because he wants you to experience life that happens when you trust him. He's not, he doesn't, it's not like he doesn't want you to have. He does. But he wants it to come out of a place that trusts him and, and gets out of, you know, all the things that you do for you. And it starts becoming evident if, of the things that God does for you uh, in the process. And so what he's asking us to do, and this is the third thing, is just to use what you have. 
to use what you have. John 6, 12 through 13. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the five pieces, with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. Remember a few weeks ago um, when we started talking about interactions, we talked about the parable of the Good Samaritan. And, and the fascinating thing about that parable was the lengths that the Good Samaritan went to to take care of the guy who was beaten on the side of the road. But, but also in that process, the guy who, who, he just used what he had in order to do it. Like, you know, it said that he stopped and he bandaged him and he poured on oil and stuff on it. I mean, he, he obviously, unless he happened to be traveling around with bandages all the time, he used what he had. He used pieces of clothing, used whatever to bandage the guy, he used whatever oil he m- might have been carrying to, to minister to this guy. He just used what he had at the moment. You know, he put him on the donkey and he took him to an inn. Now, that was, that was really an amazing thing over, over the top, if you would, and said, here, you know, take care, take care of him. Jesus was making a point in this parable. But he was willing... Um, to extend mercy to the person who needed mercy by, by being willing to use what he had. Uh, and just, that was what he did. And um, I said before that, that, you know, Jesus talked in that parable about the, the, the guy who the Good Samaritan ministered to, um, that was his neighbor because our neighbors are just people who need the mercy of God. And, and here, as the disciples trust and, and, and they, they do give what they had to Jesus. They do trust him with it. I mean, it wasn't their first thought, but they, okay, Jesus, if you say give it, go ahead, we're going to give it. And I'm, you know, I'm sure they were thinking, whatever, none of us will get enough to eat or maybe we won't get anything to eat, but we'll survive. Here you go. Jesus, you want it. It goes to you. And, and Jesus is telling them and he's showing them that as they, they take what they have and extend it to others, that, that you know, that, that um, God will bless it in ways we, we can't even imagine. And that what he does is when we'll get a hold of this process and begin to just see like he sees and think like he thinks and move into situations a little differently with the people that we encounter that need the mercy of our Heavenly Father. And we're not sure what any encounter is going to look like because it's always different, you know, what what people are going to need. But if we're just willing in that process to kind of be open to God and use what we have, the amazing thing is that he always pours back more than, than we can ever put in. He just does. He always just meets you right there. Matthew 5, 7, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. In that story of the disciples, and and I'm sure you've you've seen the connection before, but make sure you see it. They had five loaves and two fish. They feed thousands of people fish sandwiches. Jesus said, go pick up what's left. What's left? Twelve basketfuls. Why is that important? Twelve disciples. Each one of them has a basketful. They would have started with maybe a half a sandwich if they hadn't been trusting in the Lord. They ended up with a basketful. It was a picture that, that you can't, it, whatever you do, as he leads you, as you trust him, he takes care of you back. You, you, it's, it's, it, it's to break us out of this place that says, you know, if I'm going to make it, I've got to do it all. It's all on me to do it. And it gets us to a place that says, if, you know, I really want to experience life, I've got to do it his way. I just want to find what he wants me to do and do that. I trust him. He's, he's better to me than I'll ever be to myself because I can't make it work. But if I figure out that I can trust him for life, things begin to change. And I love that. Think about it. Twelve full baskets, you know what that makes for? Twelve really full disciples. Isn't that cool? 
full. That was a basket full. Was a, that was a, whatever it was. It was a lot. You know, I, I'm sure later on, you know, when, when the crowd dispersed or whatever, they were sitting there, with you, each one with a basket around the fire, you know, going, this is so cool. I don't know that, but, you know, I just have those thoughts. See, but it, it's the fourth point that it brings up is that real life is found in him. Real life is found in him. There's a proverb, Proverbs 14, 21, that says, He who despises his neighbor's sins, but he who has mercy on the poor, happy is he. Um, if, if we don't um, allow ourselves to, to open up, to look at what God's doing, we're going to miss the life that he has for it. And, and loving our neighbors as ourselves, it's all about showing the mercy of our heavenly fathers to the people we encounter who desperately need it. And as we do, his mercy is continually and abundantly poured out on us. And, and so it's, it's, you know, it's loving our neighbors. It, it's only possible, and I've said this, but this, this whole thing illustrates it. It's only possible as we really begin to believe that real life, now and forever, full and abundant life, is only found in him, all in him, heart, mind, soul, and strength. That that part comes first. That, that we have to go, yes, God, that's what it's all about, and I want to live for you. And then as we begin to trust him in that area and to say, God, whatever it is that you need me to do, and then begin to move into that, that's where we find life. And, and that heart that's developed is the heart that says, you know what? Now that I've realized where life is found, I want the people I encounter who don't know that yet to find that too. To me, that's the bottom line of loving your neighbor as yourself. That what you want for them is, is with, the, with the same enthusiasm and passion that you, you felt in that life, is that you want other people to know that as well. And it goes beyond the sort of immediate, natural, physical areas of life. And, and don't get me wrong, God cares about those. He evidenced it in the story. The proof is in there. He, the disciples shared what they had and got back way more than they gave. Because that's what God does. He's, he's like that. He wants them to know, I got you. And he wants us all to know, listen, I've got you. In this life, I've got you. It may not always work out the way you want. Um, and, and, you know, things happen. It's a fallen world, broken planet. Don't hear me say that it's not. It's all those things. But through it all, he's got us. And, and real life is experienced in him and knowing that he's got us. Not in trying to fix everything that's broken in our own strength. But just looking to him and saying, God, you know, what is it that, that you would have me to do? And moving in those directions. Loving like he loved, serving like he served, thinking like he, he thinks, seeing like he saw. Looking at people and, and, and instead of seeing them as, as problems or inconveniences or as part of the machinery or the scenery of your life, seeing these people as people that God created and who he loves and who he desperately wants to be in relationship with. And, and engaging them in some manner as he leads to, to see what that looks like, to, to, to what end we can, we can move among, uh, you know, to get them on this journey, to invite them to the one we know where there's life. And what does it look like? And, and this is what he's having us think about. And, and this is what this series is about. How do we be salt and light? How do we interact with people in a way that draws them in so that they say yes to the journey so that they can find life too? To me, that's the heart of loving our neighbors as ourselves. And, and that's what he's pointing us towards again. So take time this week. Think about that whole process. Think about that, that what must have been like. I mean, take time. If you, I, I'd encourage you, take time to just think like one of the disciples and think, man, I'm really hungry. I wish all these people weren't here so I could get something to eat. You ever experienced something like that? And think about what that feels like, you know, and it's probably better to do that when you're hungry. And then 
and, and then um, think about Jesus saying to you, yeah, I know you're hungry, but listen, I, I, need, I need that sandwich because I want to give it away. And you're like, oh, okay. And you think, well, okay, I, you know, it's, it's Jesus. I'll do, I'll do what he asks. I think I might be hungry. And then imagine what it would have been like when Jesus took the, the fish and the loaves. I mean, think about it. He took them. I mean, I just see him taking them. And he just thanks God for it. Thank you, God, for fish and the loaves tonight, for what you're going to do and for what you've already done. And then he, he just starts breaking them and handing them out to the disciples to go and give away. Can, and, and so he, he gives that first round, and I think, you know, they think, okay, well, there it goes. And then they come back, and he's got more. And they go out and give that away. And he keep coming back, and there's more, and there's more, and there's more, until everyone is satisfied. And then at the end, can you imagine? They've got to be looking down, looking at your, every, you know, 10,000 people had just eaten from the, and you know what you started with. And they've eaten plenty. And you got a full basket. Think about what it would have been like to be a part of that. And, and just ask God to help you. Begin to see him and, and trust him in little things so that your faith can be stretched, so that you can experience life in him. That's all I want you to think about this week. If you're watching uh, on television or by video, thank you so much. We really appreciate you doing that. Know how valuable your time is. Love to have you come and visit sometime. If you can make it here, that would be great. Um, if you need prayer, go to our website at keysvineyard.com. There's a prayer page. Put in your request. We'll pray for you, or you can call us, and we'll pray for you that way as well. We hope to see you soon. God bless you.